Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm sharing a conversation with you that I had with Brad Barrett. He is the founder and co-host of Choose FI. FI stands for Financial Independence. Brad and his co-host, Jonathan, have a great podcast all about reaching for a life of purpose and intention on their journey and encouraging others to join them on a journey to financial independence. Now, this episode is not all about money because we've talked about that before on this show. But what I thought would be a really cool, unique spin on this is that Brad not only knows about talking about and implementing and striving towards financial independence, but also how to do that and work on your health at the same time. So it's kind of like having a healthy budget and having a healthy body without sacrificing anything, but also making the right sacrifices. So if all that feels like a conundrum, it kind of can be, but it's really exciting to talk with Brad about this Venn diagram of how to spend money on the right things without feeling trapped as well as then saving and or making the right choices to move towards financial independence, but not sacrificing living in the here and now in a healthy way in all aspects of life. So we're going to talk about spending money on food, spending money on working out, and some hacks in that realm. So if that intrigues you, if that's something you're after, I know I am. I'll get out of the way and say enjoy this conversation with Brad Barrett. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Brad Barrett. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. I'm excited. Thanks for having me here. So I was intrigued with uh, the idea of having a conversation, not just about money, not just about health, two topics that you know we've talked about on this show before individually, but being able to put those together, I told you pre-recording, I see this as kind of a Venn diagram episode where on one, you know, one circle says money or as you put it, financial independence, which I want to go to first. And then on the other circle, uh, it's health and all that is encompassing into whatever health means for people. And in the center, uh, is this episode. So nice. this is going to be a fun it. conversation. This is going to yeah, be, this will be a, a money health life hack episode. So <laughs> Venn diagram as yeah. such. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that's so, cool. You know, it's funny as you mentioned that we think of financial independence, like how, how Jonathan, my co-host and I envision it as like this kind of umbrella over everything that like, once you have some space, once you have some bandwidth financially that 
you can focus on all those other things that are so important to you. Really, ultimately your happiness, right? But like, how do you get there? Connections, spending time with family and friends, focusing on your health. So like, yeah, I love this concept of where you're going with the episode because this is really like we view Phi as a life optimization strategy, not as just the nuts and bolts of, okay, max out your 401k, right? That's that's boring. <laughs> that gets old pretty quick. But like, man, when you look at it as this is going to help me live a better life, that's something else entirely, you know? Yeah. Well, so let's 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 uh let's paint some context here on the wall and just say, you know, financial independence. That's what FI stands for for you guys. And and you know, choose FI is great. I love choosing financial independence because again, it's not something that's gonna gonna ha- it's not something that's gonna happen if you're not choosing to do it. But what does that you know, what's the definition of financial independence? Yeah, what for does that you? mean? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And, and I'm glad that you like the choose aspect because yeah, to us it's all about taking action and being intentional with your life just generally, right? So if you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're in debt, right? Every month you're digging a little deeper, you're never going to get to a safe financial position. You have to create some space. You know, I'll use that bandwidth word again. You have to create that gap between your income and your expenses to save some money. And ultimately, again, we're talking about health, reducing stress, right? Like think about how stressful a life is if you have literally zero dollars in the bank. So like, I think to me, and since you asked about financial independence and and I'll get to like the textbook definition, but to me, it starts from the very first. It starts from quite literally choosing it, choosing to get up off the couch and take some action that's gonna make your life better. So that's kind of like the bedrock foundational principle, I would say. But I mean, I guess what what people refer to with financial independence is getting to a point where you have enough money in your in your net worth, your combined net worth that you don't need to work ever again. Now, I I think the the acronym is that you most commonly hear is FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early. Mm. We feel that like the retire early just gets in the way. Honestly, like people get so hung up on what is retirement and are you going to be unproductive? Are you just going to sit around and sip umbrella drinks? Right. Like that. That's such like a distraction to me, because what financial independence is for me is freedom. It's freedom to choose what you do with your most precious resource, which is your time, right? Like if we're lucky, Eric, what do we get? Eight, nine, maybe 10 decades if we're very, very lucky on this planet. And to spend that doing something for decades upon decades that you don't really want to do just seems like the height of of folly to me. So if I, and, and I don't focus on, I guess, deprivation. Like I never think about saving money as something like I'm depriving myself of because that is almost akin to like a diet to me. Like mm. it, it's a short term thinking like this. I, I, I reject that. I, I don't think anything about this is short term. I think unfortunately, like you're not going to reach financial independence in a year, two, even five, unless you have just an astronomical income. But this is something that if you live below your means, if you have a savings rate, then you can get there in some amount of time. For many people, it's 10, 15, 20 years. But, you know, just having some certainty beyond that, because I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but like, to me, retirement was always this nebulous thing. Like, oh, I hear I need five or $10 million, right? Like, I could never reach five or $10 million. Like, that's impossible. But if you tell me like, okay, 
financial independence is based off of your yearly expenses. That's kind of, if we're going to textbook definition, it's when you have your 25 times your yearly expenses saved up, then you're at a point of financial independence with the opposite of that, I guess, or the converse is the 4% rule. So let's say you had a million dollars in your net worth. You could take out 4% of that every year or $40,000 and you could theoretically, that's going to last you for most likely at minimum, probably 95% based on this Trinity study that, that, uh, Trinity university did that that's going to last minimum 30 years and very, very likely for many decades further than that. So again, kind of getting into the weeds here real quick, Eric, and I, and I yeah, do want to get no, you in here. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I, it's good for us to set up this context because, again, once we kind of have this common ground understanding, not just you and me, but the listeners as well, uh, we can go some really interesting places. Nice. So cool. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And and yeah, hopefully that, that came across clearly is instead of, you know, it just being a nebulous like, oh, you need, again, five or 10 million bucks to retire. Like, no, it's you control what you can control and you control your destiny. Ultimately, if, if you can lower your expenses, and again, this is not about deprivation, right? But if your expenses after you maybe pay off your mortgage, like I think you live in Indiana, I live in Richmond, Virginia, my yearly expenses just aren't that significant. Forty, fifty thousand dollars a year is pretty reasonable for me. So that means in order again, to reach that textbook definition, I need about a million or a million and a quarter in net worth. And, and again, over a 15 to 20 year working career, that's, that's not impossible with, with some intentionality. Yeah, exactly. So then I, I, a lot of people out there are thinking, okay, so there's a couple of different places my mind goes to when you talk about, you know, this process of becoming financially independent over the course of years, because I don't think anybody that's listening to this show has so high of an amount of income and so low of an outgoing expenditure, you know, budget that they are just saving, you know, tens of thousands of dollars week or even month over month right now. And so they feel conflicted because they think, well, but shouldn't I be working harder? And, you know, that's a topic that we talk about on this podcast all the time is working, working harder, but also working smarter. But then also they're wondering, well, but don't I start to endanger myself by burning out and, you know, not taking care of myself? Or should I flip and say, let, let me do, let me get in good shape first and then uh, start to work on the financial side of things? And I think you can kind of get the inkling of where I'm going here. I, I personally, now that I've kind of gone through some of what you're, uh, you've been talking about, and I think you're going to agree, they're not mutually exclusive paths. You can do both at the same time. Oh, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I mean, to me, financial independence is not about sticking your head in the sand and basically living like a hermit and saving every penny and just being miserable like that. That is the antithesis to me. It's about this framework of living a better life. And I I think it kind of sounds grandiose when you hear it at first. But but honestly, when you have some space financially, everything gets easier. And this is not about like a zero or one, you're not at financial independence or you are. And that's the only, like (laughs) it's only better when you're at financial independence. Like that, that to me is it, it's silly. It's every month, every year you accrue more power in your life because you have more freedom when you have that money. We kind of like affectionately call it 
FU money. Uh, Jonathan, my co-host calls it freedom unlimited, but you can imagine what other people call that. Like it's when you have the ability to say, all right, I've got a six month emergency fund, or I have my first $75,000 saved up. You know, if someone or something happened to you, like your entire life is not going to crumble if you lost your job, right? Or if something unjust happened to you at work and you're just not happy with it, like you cannot sit idly by. Well, for many people, their entire lives crumble if they lose their job, right? Like think about how quickly people living on the edge would lose everything. So to me, having that little bit of bandwidth, it just gives you space to then think about what do you want to get out of life? So like we call it, again, this, this life optimization strategy where you can focus on your connections. You can focus on your health. And I mean, ultimately, your happiness. And, and I think where you're going with this is, is certainly along, along the health aspects. And I can tell you personally, I am the fittest I've ever been in my entire life. I mean, not even close. Even, even back to when I was a high school varsity soccer player. Like, I am coming up, actually, in the next couple of days on my 40th birthday. And I can say confidently, I am in a better place, both psychologically and physically, than I've ever been in before. And I think a lot of it is due to financial independence and my pursuit thereof. That's awesome. Well, congratulations and, you know, early happy birthday, especially <laughs> on your 40th. I only yeah. just passed that a year ago. So I don't think anybody knew that that was my birthday. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah we got, you go. got some big ones going here. Yeah. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. 
I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. One of the popular misconceptions, though, for people, is, especially when they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck, is they don't think that eating healthy is a possibility because they think or they believe this lie that the cheapest way to eat is not necessarily the healthiest. They, they go and they grab the boxed and processed things like mac and cheese, et cetera. But there's also one other component that I think is also then uh, vice versa ask that's not a word um that that the obvious thing here that's happening actually is that they are also doing one other thing often that is making it so that they don't have any extra funds to one save or to uh manage their money a little bit better so they can kind of change the way that their cost per meal per person uh is shaping out to be which is the obvious here i think you already know where i'm going which is eating out all the time mm. for for the sake of convenience uh because we're we're all so busy yeah yeah i mean that is certainly a common lament that i hear pretty often but but yeah i mean i i think in my own life we've seen that that there is a better way honestly and, and of course all of this is personal so i i'm not standing up here from on high and and dictating to people how they have to live i mean that's that I can only tell you what's worked in my life and and it really has worked exceptionally well. And I think if people really took a critical look, because because I think the time is such an important aspect of this, right? It's it's time, money and health. And I think you talked about a Venn diagram before. I think yeah. time, money and health are are the big ones when it comes to food, because sure, it seems easy mentally to like, oh, I'm just going to run to the store and pick up X, Y and Z. But if you're doing that every single day, that's, I mean, even just round trip, it's going to be 20 plus minutes. That's valuable time that is gone. It's blinked off the earth. And it's almost invariably, as, as I'll certainly show in a little bit, like going to cost more than healthy home cooked meals, even the quote unquote cheap food that you're going to get. Like you said, just pick up the box or do whatever, pick up the value meal. That's going to cost more than than healthy home-cooked meals, at least in my experience. And, and I mean, just the health-wise, right? Like, I think we all at this point should know that eating out every day is just not a recipe for success with your health. It just simply isn't. You don't know how much butter is going in there or the carb content. I mean, any kind of processed ingredients, who knows what's going in there, frankly, right? And like, we just consume it. And you don't think about portion size. You don't think about anything. Whereas I think what my wife and I have done is really kind of turn this on its head. And it just comes again from intentionality and a little bit of planning, right? It's, it's always going to be easy to just do that mindless thing and just run to the store real quick because you don't have to plan. You don't have to think ahead. But I think when you apply just a little bit of planning, and I got to tell you, Eric, like, I don't want to overload. I, my entire life is based on simplicity at this point. So I can guarantee you we're not sitting down for two hours on a Sunday morning meal planning or doing any of this other nonsense, like weighing out ingredients that that's not how we do this at all. But, but what we do is on a Sunday, my wife and I will just get a sense of what do we want? What does the week look like? First off, is it like a standard week where we're most likely going to be eating in seven 
seven dinners that week? Or are there any extenuating circumstances or anything? But, you know, let's just look at a regular week. I think one of the biggest things is my wife, Laura, loves to cook. She loves to experiment. She looks for recipes that give her basically something she can either double or triple usually. So Mm -hmm. that's a key aspect of this, like is being able to make larger portions because realistically the cooking time is almost invariably the same or pretty darn close, right? So if she can cook on a Sunday night and that makes dinner for Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, that's pretty darn efficient, right? And then you talk about money and you say, all right, many times ingredients You only need half of that item and then you throw the other half out. Well, I mean, that effectively gets added to the cost of that that one meal if you threw it out. But Laura thinks about this in terms of complementary meals. So if there is a recipe that I, I guess either she can expand that one recipe or if that even still isn't going to use that entire ingredient, she'll make that another meal that uses those ingredients as her second meal of the week. So, I mean, do you get a sense of like the framework of how she she thinks of this? Yeah, totally. And and I love the fact that, you know, one, you're basically spinning it into you can make multiple meals out of uh, a single session of cooking and that leftovers is not a dirty word. In fact, I love left. I just had leftovers for lunch. today. Nice. Loved it. <laughs> and that was something that was made as a big batch of something uh, late last week. And. Uh, again, you're going with the word simplicity to keep this from being such an overwhelming process. Although there are people out there personality type wise who are going to want to do the whole, all right, I'm going to gather up tons of ingredients and I'm going to take a Saturday and cook the meals for the entire month or make up a bunch of crockpot things that I can throw in a freezer in the garage, which is also another added benefit. I think you've got the same thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's not about overload. It's about scale back and see what's doable at the place that you're at. Because again, one of those things that when we go to this diet, this Venn diagram is that if, if somebody is not necessarily even on the road to financial independence, they're probably not also thinking about how to, I'm going to just, uh, maybe I'll coin a term here. I don't know, but uh, time independence or something like that, where yeah, yeah. they're trying to be more on top of, or, or time optimized, I guess is a better way to put it. If somebody out there is not necessarily paying attention to how they're spending their money and they're going along with the what's convenient, at least on the surface level, I can bet you they're probably not also thinking about, and that's probably why they're listening to the show, uh, wanting to optimize their time. And so, again, I get it. Batch processing. We've done episodes on this, by the way, specifically with cooking and batch processing. Um Oh, I forget her name. But anyways, uh, she's come on twice and she talks about even being able to optimize your prep time and things like that. Your wife actually might like those episodes. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. But uh, it's just being, you know, if you're going to if you're going to fry up uh, or no, no, let me put it this way. You can brown uh, ground beef and or say you've got that ground beef and you're going to make meatballs with it. But at the same time, you could brown some of it up, put it that in the freezer or in the refrigerator, and then you've got that for your tacos for a completely yeah, different meal, yeah. that kind of thing, component-wise of ingredients. Yeah, and you were going to go with frying up, and that's yeah. actually something that, that Laura does. So we, we were talking before recording about our mutual love of Wegmans, and mm-hmm. uh, Laura will go and get the family pack at Wegmans of, of chicken breasts, and she'll fry them up, and maybe she'll take an hour or maybe even 90 minutes, something like that, but fry up 
five to 10 pounds. And what she'll do is she'll freeze them in individual meal portions, okay? Because she has a sense of what we eat at this point. And again, then that helps with your portion size too. Like that's the, another aspect of this, right? When we're talking about health is portion size. And, and I do want to come back to that in a minute, certainly. But when, if you have five or seven, whatever, five, six, seven chicken cutlets sitting out, I don't know about you, Eric, but I love to eat. I mean, love, like, oh yeah, and right, like, and if it's there and it's delicious, I'm going to eat it. And what has that done then? That probably has effectively doubled the cost of that meal and made me less healthy and made me feel bad for the rest of the night, right? Like, it's a lose, lose, lose. But in the moment, darn, doesn't that taste good, you know? But so, in essence, we're kind of taking that human weakness out of it in a sense. Like, and we, we've never used those words before, but, but if you're really getting to the bottom of it, that's what it is. Like, I guarantee you I'm going to eat the food, but if there are only three chicken cutlets out there, that's it. Right. So what Laura does, she takes those five or 10 pounds and puts them into the freezer in those individual meal portions. And then, okay, it's a Tuesday afternoon and, you know, maybe we're going out to the pool and we want to bring some food. She'll just take them out, defrost them, and I don't know, put them on a sandwich or, or put them in a pasta or some such, right. Or with vegetables and, and it's just there. So that work that she did maybe got us, if it's five pounds, got us 20 quarter pound dinners. I mean, that's the best use of time because also it's mentally freeing because you have it there whenever yes. you need it. You've front loaded the work and it's just there. It's, it, it, that is another game changer that I, I actually don't know that I talk about all that often, but yeah, I mean, aside from the weekly meal planning, just kind of having those couple of things just in, in the bag in that, in that deep freezer, in the garage, it just, it really does make a huge difference. It's almost like you want to get into this zone of there's a certain amount of convenience you want to have already done and in place, but not too convenient to where you could then just go out there and grab them. And then, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. you don't want them in front of you to where you use them up too quickly, but you also want them ready enough. Absolutely. And and I think just by virtue of them being frozen, I yes. think I think it covers your requirement there. So pretty much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can't say that I've ever like went into the freezer and pulled out a quarter pound of chicken and just eating it in an hour or something. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that is the friction enough that, that it keeps me away from doing that. And, and yeah, I mean, just, you know, going back to food portions, like my wife and I think about the portions we used to eat when we first got married and we, and we look back and we're like, we used to make like an entire garlic bread for the two of us and like eat the whole darn thing. It's like, what, what normal 25 year old person like needs half a garlic bread each? Like we were fairly, trim people like or at least at the time and you know it was just it just wasn't planning so and and again this is not about the deprivation or certainly in this case saving 75 cents but like what we decided to do was first we cut it in half and we froze the other half and then we only made half of a garlic bread and then it was down to a third and a quarter and you know ultimately at this point we don't really have garlic bread all that often but because we were trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and things but but you just you just get a little bit better I think that's how I look at life is like it is just trying to get a little bit better every day or every week or every month. And like I'm not fanatical about it. If you saw how I lived, you know, I, I before this recording, I had a couple of tortilla chips as a snack. And like I'm not beating myself up about it, even though like the anti-carb people would be like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you eating that? Like I don't think that way. I'm not fanatical about everything, about really anything, truly. And I just try to get a little bit better. So if I realize that I'm eating too much, like 
okay, there are some pretty easy ways to fix this. You know, you just kind of slow down on your portions and just, and then you realize, oh, wow, if I eat that extra bit, then there ruins leftovers, right? It's, I, I can't do it. That ruined an entire meal. So like that kind of mental hurdle, like that really helps me. So it, you know, again, it's, it's the money savings, but it's really the health too. Yeah. Well, one of the things we've gotten into recently is we'll, when we're done with a meal, I mean, we've already kind of thought about, you know, how much is going to be left and, and all of that. But what we'll do is we'll actually even, uh, especially during the school year, these we're in the summer right now, so it's not as ideal, but I will literally go in and I will pull out and, and, uh, I use the word plate to, you know, pull an actual serving of the, you know, the vegetables, the meat, the, the whatever, uh, all together into some sort of dish. And then I stick it in, um, the refrigerator so that it's ready for my wife to grab for work the next day and, and do it again for myself so that I've got it. And then that way, if it's already prepared that way, you're less likely to go dig into, you know, Oh, cause now the one thing's missing, you know, it's like a TV dinner when you open it up or something <laughs> and like one third of it's missing already. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that is exactly in line with how we do it. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's more of a framework of thinking as opposed to these are the rules and you have to follow them, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, rules to me, like when they're, they're too, I don't know, prohibitive or just overbearing, they just don't work. But if you think of a framework, this, this really works. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I hope that came across clearly that, you know, we're really probably only cooking two meals a week. And that pretty much, that's going to last for five or six nights. And then, I mean, lots of leftover. If there's a little bit leftover from one, then maybe like my wife even goes so far as to get a uh, pizza from our local pizza place and she'll literally freeze up the eight slices and she can eat one slice of pizza and, you know, some a side or some vegetables or something as a, as a dinner. So if there's one unexpected extra meal of leftovers from one of her two meals that she cooked that week, I'll generally eat that and she'll just pull out a slice of pizza and boom, we've, and we have what in our minds is like a free dinner. So it's just like creating these kind of backup plans of how do you, how do you just come up with a framework that works for your life? And, and we found that it's really, really inexpensive as well. So pizza being that's a rule. One piece of pizza that I probably could never follow personally. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, man. That's but, for sure. but I could probably get away with two if they if they were frozen. Especially if I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of like, you know, almost treating it. <laughs> let's transform it in. Let's transform it here. Almost thinking of it as instead of a pizza, like it's a it's a whole cheesecake. And he's like, you're not going to eat a whole cheesecake. You're going to have like one piece and then say, oh yeah, look, there's all those other pieces that are there for other days and other weeks, as long as I keep this box in the freezer. So one of the other reasons that people will justify, and it's not inherently not justifiable, but one of the reasons they, one is obviously convenience that they'll eat out. The other is, is they're like, no, I want variety. I want to go out and I want the experience. And I think what you're saying here is, is that again, go, this goes along with the, the financial independence, um, that you were talking about is it doesn't have to be restrictive. It doesn't have to be, uh, a negative pursuit per se. You can still experience great food and you just need to figure out how to do it wisely. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. And, and it's not again about deprivation, right? Like if you value going out to eat, then go out to eat, right? Like again, it's not my place to say, 
then you're just going to have to make other choices in your life. But obviously we're talking about, about food here. So I'll, I'll kind of get back on that. But, but I mean, but frankly, like that is, that's my position in life. It's just generally like if you value something and you genuinely think about it, right? Like so many of us just sleepwalk through life mm-hmm. and we don't think about things. But if you took a step back and say, okay, I want to get on a better path in my life, whether you call it financial independence or whatever you call it, but you've come to the conclusion that you value going out to eat with your spouse or your friends or whomever, then do it. It's not my place to tell you not to. So I, I just want to make sure that's entirely clear. But but yeah, I mean, clearly in my life, my wife and I, while we enjoy going out every now and again, we look at it as a real treat, not as something we do once or twice or even more per week, right? Like we went out yesterday and we went to this amazing happy hour. And we felt like we were kings. You know, we had a couple of craft beers and amazing appetizers. And it was it was phenomenal. But we were not getting the $40 steak because we don't value the $40 steak, you know? So, like, that's that's the frame that I think of it in. And, and yeah, I mean, Laura at home, she loves to cook, genuinely loves. She loves experimenting. She loves finding recipes that she knows we're going to like and hopefully can eat for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And she, she loves it. She really does. And I mean, that is a fun thing for us. And this is, this is a passion of ours. So what we've done is we'll have like happy hours here at the house. Right. And while she's cooking, we're just sitting there in the kitchen. We're talking, we're spending time together, which is really ultimately what we want when we go out. I think that's what a lot of people want. I think they want the phones away. They want the distractions away. They want real life away, right. For a little bit. And Many people just kind of justify the $50, $7,500 expense to go out when really all they're looking for is just some human connection. So for us, the way that we get that is we sit around, we have a happy hour every day at five o'clock. We have, you know, a beer or a glass of wine. And I mean, literally just one, right? We're not, that's not something I value is, is having multiple drinks. But, but that one is just, it's this wonderful time with my wife every day that we look forward to. And we talk and we spend time together. She'll probably either be cooking or just preparing the food if it's, if it's leftovers. You know, I mean, there's still obviously a little bit of prep time. So again, it's, it's that connection, which is what we want. We don't want the fancy, expensive food. And going back to her being, I mean, she's a wonderful cook. So I don't feel like I'm getting subpar food. In fact, like we make a game of it. And this is, Eric, is kind of how we approach our lives generally, and and also financial independence. It's like, it's this fun way to kind of win at life is how I look at it. So um, we're always just trying to just optimize a little bit, but again, without being fanatical about it. But we have this kind of like mythical in our house because it, it exists mostly slash somewhat doesn't exist, which is our top 50 recipe list. All right. And, you know, we probably at this point have 35 of them. And basically it's, it's always like, all right, realistically, we're not going to make more than 50 recipes in a year because one, maybe two recipes a week, but also you're going to double some things. So if you had 50 A++ recipes, that's a pretty good year. That's a pretty good life of food. And, you know, naturally, some are going to get supplanted when an amazing new one comes in. But like, this is how we look at it. It's like, let's explore and find these new great recipes that Laura can make at home. And so it's not all we're just rehashing old food. We're constantly trying new things, but it's this balancing act again, like, you know, kind of like your Venn diagram thing. Like it's how do you have new meals 
that are inexpensive as well, fairly easy to cook, right? Like we're not finding 20, 20 ingredients on a recipe, but then also play it in there with existing meals that we love that are part of our top 50. So it's, it, 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 hopefully this, this picture is coming across yeah. of like this fun way that we approach this. So like no aspect of this feels like deprivation at all. Like I'm eating like a king every single day, as far as I'm concerned, I, I really love it. And, and at the end of the day, the metric that we kind of hit, and we're not fanatical about this by any means, but we generally hit about $2 per person per meal for dinner almost every night. I mean, plus or minus, you know, 220, 185, 275 for one meal, whatever it may be. Like, right. again, not crazy about it, but like on average, it's not all that far off from two bucks per person per meal. Keyword there is average because sometimes it's going to go, uh, you could even say once in a while, it's going to go much higher than that. Uh, or often, cool. you know, it can go even lower than that. And again, one of the ways that you, you once you figure out the strategy of what it is, you've, I love that you've got the strategy of the recipes. I love that you've got the approach of the, I'll just call it an adventure in a culinary adventure. There you go. <laughs> I was looking for nice. some kind of phrase, phraseology and that works. Um, but the fact that and even your happy hours, it's like the the amount that you would pay to go somewhere and do the happy hour versus to go to, you know, your we have what save on liquor is what it's called here. And you can go and okay. like you can get just a giant box of like 24 to 48 whatever's of, you know, pr pick your preference. Yeah. And that those are your beers. And it's like you didn't put those down uh, in the or out in the garage and they're pretty well chilled and it's like if you have one the cost per bottle or can is like so much lower to where you can feel much more free and and there's the freedom you were talking about yeah no you're exactly right i mean even a, a six pack of craft beer at, at wegmans is like nine bucks right mm -hmm. so it's a dollar fifty per beer which to your point that would be seven bucks plus <laughs> tax and tip if you went out and then the time to get to the place so i mean Again, like for us, we have really drilled down on what are we looking to get out of that experience? We're looking for connection. So once we had that realization, because that, that's the key for us, like we actually figured that out. Let's do it at home, right? Like let's carve out that time and talk. And sure, we can have the delicious craft beer that we're also looking for and save a boatload of money in the progress in the process. But I mean, at its essence, it's how do we connect? And that's just a, a thing that we do. And it's it's been wonderful. All right. So some people out there are thinking, okay, but here's the thing. When it comes to health, eating the right amounts or eating the right things is not the only part of getting healthy and staying healthy. There's this other component, which is physical activity. So I would love to see here, where have you on your journey been when it comes to, you know, I mean, cause some people are out there and they're like, well, but you know, uh, joining a gym, it costs money and that's the only way I know how to do it. And it's like, okay, there's some cost effective things, but I think you even have a different perspective than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and again, this does come down to personal preference. So if you, if you love that gym, or you want to go to a fancy gym and that's something you value as long as you're intentional about it, that mm -hmm. that's the key to me. But, but yeah, I mean, I think there are very, very low cost ways to maintain your, your physical fitness for sure. I know we talked about this before, before we hopped on here and I'm in the best shape of my life bar none. I mean, it's not even close at this point. And I was a, a high school varsity soccer player. Like I've always been fairly fit, but 
I mean, I, I got fairly out of shape in my twenties and, and early thirties. And I think I've, I've just built physical activity into my day much more often. I think that that's something that, and it, it doesn't cost that much, not cost that much versus free. Like, I think a lot right. of people sometimes get hung up on, oh, it has to be free. Well, okay. I, I think that's a little myopic, right? Because the pull-up bar that I bought for my door jam is $15. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, based on the amount of value that I've gotten from that, that is essentially free, right? I mean, there are, obviously you can go out and run. You can do plenty of, of yoga. That's actually something I've gotten into that I never thought I would in my entire life. But I listened to a podcast with a, a Navy SEAL commander, Mark Devine, and he has this great program on sealfit.com that that he actually, I think there's some free, free videos there. And I just found that like my body really responded to that. And I think like what I've done is just tried progress over time. Like I look at this as kind of like the project of my life basically, which is how do I take somebody who at 32 was desk bound and probably if I'm honest, 20 to 30 pounds overweight and totally inflexible and turn that person into a healthy human being that can play with his grandkids when he's 70. Like that, that's kind of how the frame that I think about it in. So like, it's not a get healthy fast. It's not a get rich quick scheme. None of, none of what I, what I talk about or how I live my life is, is get rich quick or, or that mentality. It's what do I have to do today and tomorrow and every tomorrow thereafter to just make a better life on average, right? Like, again, it's not about being fanatical. I'm not working out two hours a day and being crazy. I just try to be healthier over time. So for me, flexibility was a huge aspect of this. Like I said, like I was horribly inflexible, but what I did was after doing this yoga and doing some stretching programs, like I've just kept at it. I mean, I'm at the point now where I used to not be able to touch my knees and now I can like basically get my hands on the ground, like flat on the ground. And it's like, I never would have thought that was possible, but what did I do? I worked at it for years. And I think that's something you can do for free in the house. Like I bought a lacrosse ball for a couple dollars and a foam roller to help with mobility. But I mean, that's $15 or less on Amazon. What I do is when my family, we watch TV for maybe 20 minutes before bed. We watch that. Yeah. I was just going to say, this is something you can do when you're watching TV. That's exactly it. Right. And like, instead of sitting on the couch, when we watch uh, Survivor and the Amazing Race, these are like our, our family shows that we love. And instead of watching Survivor on the couch, I'm just on the floor doing some stretching, rolling on the, on the foam roller or doing some push-ups, things like this. And it's just, it's just such an easy way of downtime, right? Like so many people say, oh, I'm too busy to exercise. I'm too busy to do this or that. That's not really entirely true when you take a critical look at your life. It's just that you're choosing not to do this, Right. It's so easy to get off the couch and just literally sit on the floor and do some stretching or do some push-ups, whatever it may be. Like that really isn't hard. But but again, it's it's understanding that you do want to get better, you want to get healthier. You can't do it overnight. But what do you start with? Start with a couple push-ups. Add one more a day or add, you know, one more a week. I don't care what it is. Just do something like that. Like it, you know, you hate running. I hate running. I, I hate it. I loathe it. So I just don't run. But I lift weights in my house and I do push-ups and I do burpees and I do things like that. And like, 
that's really pretty, pretty inexpensive or free. Certainly each time you do it thereafter, if, you know, if you had to purchase some equipment and yeah, I mean, like that is definitely how I approach this. And also like I've tried to get into like uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which actually is something that like totally was off my radar screen. Like martial arts, I've never done anything, but like you hear people like Tim Ferriss and Jocko Willing talk about about jiu-jitsu and like how amazing it is for you. And I went up finding like a free way to do this through like uh, the Gracie family. Like they're the first family of jujitsu. They have this program called the Gracie Garage, which is basically like where a couple of people want to get together and train jujitsu basically in someone's house. And I did that for a couple of years and it was free. I spent zero dollars like that would have cost me one hundred and fifty dollars a month at the jujitsu place down the road. And it's just kind of, again, it's looking at life as this little game, right? Like, how can I get the same results as everyone with spending dramatically less money? So like, that was cool. I love that. And I just felt more confident about myself because I know that I could handle myself in certain situations that I would not have been able to previously. So like, just something like that. Again, it's like, how many people listening to this are going to actually join a Gracie garage? Probably not that many, but, but maybe some. And it's just, it's something you can do. It's something that, why not Google it? Why not look at a problem a little bit differently? Whatever you do. And just see where you can make progress. For personal experience, uh, my whole family here locally in my small town, we can get a membership to the YMCA, which includes the pool and the treadmills and just, you know, all the different things that they offer. For the family, it's like 50 bucks a month. Wow. And and that's cost effective for me. Um to, to be able to have that, especially when it's cold out and it's like, you know, I don't, I want to go walk on a treadmill or something or go you know, and be, have access to the, uh, the hot tub and the, the sauna and things nice. like that when it's, when it's cold out, you know? So, uh, right now I'll go out and again, totally free other than the time that I spend, I'll go out in the morning now when it's nice out and I'll take a nice half hour walk in the neighborhood. So okay. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, YMCAs can be phenomenal. I mean, I know my family loves swimming. The YMCA close to us has a pool that they have open hours. And yeah, I mean, there's it's just it's what you value. It's not about being a miser like that's not Mm -hmm. financial independence to me. It's it's just finding what you value and spending spending appropriately or even lavishly on those things that you value. Like if if that YMCA was 80 or 90 bucks, a month, like it is in many places, like would you not do it? No, of course. Like if, of course you would do it if your family valued it. Right. So it's just look, look at your life and figure out what makes sense. And I mean, obviously if there are ways to save, then, then try to find those. Like I even, so after I got significantly fitter, like I am looking for a challenge and and it's not to say that I can't get a challenge by doing burpees and pushups and pull-ups here at the house. I mean, obviously that, that could keep me fit for the rest of my life. But you talked about CrossFit, like a friend of mine had been doing CrossFit for a while and I wanted to try it. Like it was always something that scared me to death, honestly, like I never lifted weights in my entire life and I just wanted to try it. But a monthly membership didn't make sense for me mentally because we travel with the, the beauty of financial independence. Like my wife my, and I and, and our two girls, like we spend the whole month of August traveling. We're going to Hawaii this year for the whole month. And last year we went to England and Scotland and you know, it, it, I don't want to spend $150 a month on a membership that I'm not using like that. That is the height of, of folly to me. So what I did was I, I, I priced out, they have these single punch class classes. And if you buy enough of them at one time, you get this ultra discount so that it's actually 
as ex- as expensive or actually a little bit cheaper per month, even if I went the same number of times, which is crazy. So <laughs> it's just by prepaying. And it, again, it's the power of financial independence. Like I don't have to think about my cash flow month to month because I've been diligently saving for my entire adult life for 18 years, right? So I don't have to think in terms of scarcity. I don't have to think in terms of, oh, is my paycheck going to hit before the credit card bill is due this month. You know, I can think in terms of value. And I, I hope you're hearing me say that word over and over again. Like that is how, the prism through which I view my life is value. So I was able to look at this and say, I really like this CrossFit. This is a challenge to me. And it sure, it's expensive. There's no question about it. But how can I do this that it makes more sense for my life and saves me money in the process over what basically everybody else does? Everybody else has the monthly membership there. But I didn't want to do that based on my travel schedule and such, you know, going to conferences and all these things. Right. So I bought the most expensive punch card you could possibly buy. Like, I don't know that anybody in the history of the gym had bought that before, but like it was a no brainer for me because it was the cost per time going there was the lowest I could possibly get. And again, it's it's not about the cash flow scarcity month to month. It's about how do I get the best deal and how do I extract the most value from my purchases? Coming at it from the uh, the flexibility and the freedom of, you know, if again, it, it's it, by, by, by approaching it that way, by having that perspective and being able to, um, you know, if, if an opportunity arises that, you know, somebody living paycheck to paycheck, uh, and, you know, couldn't do, couldn't even, you know, execute on at the time because they're, you know, they don't have that kind of freedom. Whereas you have the ability to take advantage of something, uh, by paying a, a much larger sum out of pocket all at once that over much longer time has even more value because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. And I think that's kind of like liberating that, yeah. that you can, you can really look at life in terms of value and trying to find the best, I guess, overall deal in this regard. But like, it's just, it is a cool rethink. And and obviously, again, we're going back, we're talking about health, right? Like yes. I know I, I mentioned stress before, but think about how much less stress you have when you have some money saved up. So again, like, sure, I've reached a point of financial independence, but, but that's irrelevant. Like, if you had, for someone living paycheck to paycheck, if they have $2,000, that first $2,000 saved up, right? And like something goes catastrophically wrong with, I don't know, their air conditioning or they get a flat tire. Like for people living paycheck to paycheck, like that is a real crisis. But creating that bit of space, again, even if it's a thousand or $2,000, like, or that first time you hit 5,000 bucks in the bank, like your life is so much less stressful. And then you can focus. You're not, you're not in that bunker mentality all the time, which believe me, I get it. I really do. But once you can create that space, then you have time to like look at your life critically and say, how do I make my life better? And I think really, as we've talked about this entire episode, health is one of, if not the most important aspects. And, and I just find this, that it really is linked so closely to financial independence. And, and I, yeah, I just love talking about this. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and we could continue on, but ultimately what would be great is if uh, we point people over to where you constantly are talking about this very topic <laughs> and often uh, will go off into different tangents and aspects of what financial uh, independence means, including uh, this very topic of, of health uh, in, in its various, you know, iterations uh i'd love for you to let people know uh where they can join you and your co-host for your podcast nice well i appreciate it yeah so our podcast is choose fi for financial independence so any podcast player if you're listening to this just search choose fi and hit subscribe i think one of the best places to start is probably episode 100 that is kind of like our welcome to the fi community but you know, pick and choose. See, see where you want to start. If there's a title that jumps out to you, we really we don't talk just about the nuts and bolts of money. It's it's about psychology. It's about health and fitness and and just living a better life. So yeah, episode 100 is a great place to start. Or just head to chooseabuy.com slash start. Awesome. Uh, Brad, thank you so much. This has been great. I hope it's been uh, eye-opening for people and uh, nudges them a little bit more towards this incremental change of financial independence and their health. Well, I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's another podcast episode checked off your podcast listening to-do list. Does it feel good to have it checked off? I hope that you didn't just check it off, but that you feel good and are walking away from this conversation with some strategies, with some ideas, with some hacks, with some thoughts, at least, as to where you can go to, one, start to move towards financial independence and what that means for you, but also moving towards greater and better health and how those two concepts are not mutually exclusive. I know that both of those goals are actually goals of mine personally. So, hey, as usual, this podcast is a way for me to explore topics and ideas that I'm interested in, and I hope you enjoyed going along for the ride. If you did and you know of somebody else who needs to join you on that ride and join us on this ride, I'd love for you to share this episode with them. It's easy to do that. Whatever podcast player you're listening to this episode in, just hit the share button. It's located somewhere there. Or just go to the show notes for this episode, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 281. Thank you so much for those of you who have been sharing the episodes with people. I've heard from many of you that have done that, and it's really helpful to get the word out about the show. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next episode.